Chelsea Zaccato. And I'm Natalie Heacock. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Lumber Slingers. Hey, Nat. Hello. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Happy to have you as well. The top of the hour. Not really. <laughs> we're supposed to recording, start recording at the top of the hour, but uh, had to catch up a little bit. Yeah, so we're on the, uh, on the verge of a nice long Memorial Day weekend while we're recording this right now. Can't wait. What are you doing? I'm going to a rodeo. What? Do a rodeo and I'm taking my kids, which uh, we'll see. We might be there for 20 minutes. We might be there for two hours. Nobody knows. Just keep them fed on that fried food with sugar on it. It'll uh, it'll set you up for success. <laughs> They're really excited to wear boots and hats. That's like the highlight to them. So, Oh, yeah, that would be fun. I should have given you... I have so many pairs of cowboy boots for my bachelorette parties last summer. <laughs> you probably do too. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I have a good pair. But I only have cheap hats. and I, I need a good hat. Oh, I don't have a good hat either. I have the plastic ones. Yeah, just like the plastic. Or I have like a felt one. Side note, I was looking at hard hats for, um, you know, one of the mills we're, open, we're running at and you have to wear a hard hat to there. And I was looking on Amazon. They have cowboy hat, hard hats. <laughs> It's actually like has the stuff on the inside that like attaches to your head and it's a hard hat cowboy hat. That's funny. I know. It's pretty cool. Can you get me a bedazzled one, please? I think we'd have to bedazzle it ourselves, but yeah, we could do that if you want to have a craft night. <laughs> you know what else I saw on a side note of a side note? I saw helmets. I think this is an Instagram ad. It was helmets but they were wigs. So like the hair goes over the top of the helmet. So it doesn't look like you're wearing a helmet. It's just, oh, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like for, are you talking, is it for like bike riding or what? Yeah, what kind like of bici- bicycle riding. Oh, interesting. So you can still look like you're having a hot girl summer. Right. <laughs> so important. I wish we were like Joe Rogan and we could just like have people like look up our stuff as we're talking. Oh yeah. We need to bring somebody in to do that and yeah. fact check us as we talk. It'll be like, e, 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 e. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. Hair? Was it a hair or a hat? I can't remember now. I wonder if you have to get a blowout for that. Ooh, don't type in wig helmet. No. Why? I'm Big bald skin head hairless fake skull wig pops up. Oh, <laughs> well, oh, there's some funny options when you click on it and some very unkept looking wigs on top of helmets. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is good. There's okay. Also, I didn't know this was a thing. There's like 1000 laser cap for hair growth. They're fake hats and they have red lasers inside to help you grow your hair. Oh, yeah, girl. That's been in Sky Mall for years. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Also, I did, <laughs> I did find a hair helmet. There's a website called bikepretty.com. And <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous looking. It's $400. But you, 
Say goodbye to unattractive bicycle helmets that resembled nothing more than plastic hats and hello to the hair helmet. The helmet that finally combines true fashion with safety. (laughs) Okay, so I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. (laughs) It looks like they only have one style. (laughs) It's really curly hair. It's not very flattering, to be honest. So anyways, the more you know, the more you know. But um, today's topic for just don't jump right into it. It's not about hair helmets. I, I was going to say, I don't really have a good segue for this. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so we've had some people, you know, we put out there some questions on what kind of episodes people want to hear. And we've have some really good responses, some of which we're still working on. But we've kind of chipped through some of the topics that people wanted to hear about and uh, one of them was on EBITDA. And so we're going to talk about that today and what that is and why it's important and why companies might use that in their financial statements. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Natalie, what is EBITDA? Okay. So we did talk about this very briefly on our Mergers and Acquisitions 101 episode, right? That was the title? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But we're going to break it down, down even more. So hopefully you walk away knowing exactly what it is and there's no questions. But if there are questions, feel free to email us or reach out. We will answer them. Natalie, I'll make it up. (laughs) So the actual acronym stands for Earnings Before, Interest, Taxes, Depreciation, and Amortization. Technically, there should be two A's, but that's okay. Whomever invented this. Oh, because, because of the and? Yeah. Maybe you're not supposed to say and. Earnings before interest, taxes, and amortization. Okay, got it. Yeah, interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So when we're talking about earnings, what does that mean? Earnings is net income. So if you're looking at a financial statement, you want to go all the way down to the bottom where it says net income. That's where you start at for this calculation. So that's where you would grab your earnings from. And something to note is that some companies, mainly like public companies, you can, you know, you can go online and grab any financial statements of any public company and some will actually put the EBITDA calculation in there for you. But if they don't, you can easily calculate it from the face of the income statement, which is nice. It's an easily calculatable item from public companies. Or if you have access to your own company's financial statements, then you can do that. Yeah, just for fun. Just for fun. Okay, so then the next thing is taxes, which is its own line item on the income statement. So that should just be, you should just be able to grab that. Don't think I need to explain what taxes are. We all pay them and load them. Yes. Next is interest expense. Also its own line item on the income statement that you should be able just to grab right off the face of the statement. And that is interest you are paying on um, debt. Like loans or loans, third party lender situations. Yeah. Any interest, like even if your company like has credit card debt, is all that listed there? Like interest from that? Yep. Okay. All kinds, all together. And then the last is depreciation and amortization. And those will also be on the income statement. And I wanted to point out, uh, just to go one level deeper, the difference between depreciation and amortization. So I feel like depreciation is a pretty common term that we hear often, but we don't really hear amortization that often. Mm -mm. Um, 
So depreciation is expensing a fixed asset over its useful life. And let's go one level further. What's a fixed asset? That can include things like buildings, equipment, vehicles, machinery, furniture, computers, and useful life is a management estimate. So it depends on, there's definitely general standards. And I want to be clear, there's different uh, useful lives for tax, for your tax return versus your financial statements if you are using GAAP. And GAAP is generally accepted accounting principles, just to break that one down. But if you are using GAAP versus tax, there's generally depreciation differences based on useful life calculations, which we won't get into because that is... It's a lot. So based on its useful life, that's how you calculate depreciation. You take the cost over its life, you divide it. Generally, that's called straight line depreciation. And that's generally how you calculate it. And then just this is just a question about depreciation. When something depreciates over its lifetime and it's off the books, does that just go off the books or do you keep it on there forever? You So you keep it as long as you're using it. So you would have the cost of the fixed asset on your balance sheet. And then you would have the accumulated depreciation, which is also on your balance sheet. So together, there would actually be nothing on your balance sheet. I see. They, balance, they would, they would net out. each other out. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so you keep it on your balance sheet as long as you're using the asset. But say you have a car and it's fully depreciated and then you keep it five more years, you keep it on your balance sheet, then you sell that car, then you get rid of the fixed asset and you get rid of the accumulated depreciation. So there's really no change. It's just kind of accounting for it. Accounting for it. Accounting. How useful. How useful. That useful depreciation. Okay. And then amortization is essentially... Amortization relates to intangible assets. So intangible assets are things like trademarks, patents, copyrights, things that you can't touch, intangible. And I have to do a funny story here because when I was in public accounting, the partner that I worked for quite a bit, he would always tell me this story or or maybe he told me it once and it just stuck with me. But it's like you're getting your on your first audit, you're kind of nervous, you're going out to the client and you're working through um, different sections of the balance sheet. And like, you know, when you're brand new, they give you like the easy sections like cash or fixed assets. And he would tell us that one time he had a uh, brand new staff go out to the client and they were auditing fixed assets and they asked the client to see their intangible assets. Oh my God. <laughs> And I just feel so bad for that person <laughs> because they're obviously smart, right? Like yeah. they're at a public accounting firm. They're like, you know, they have an accounting degree. They're likely studying for their CPA, but yeah, what they do in school is how to walk into any business and start talking to the controller or the CFO or whomever you need to start asking questions to. It's intimidating, especially when you're right out of school and you're in these like business situations. So. Did they know, like, did they know that they had made a blunder by asking that? No, you don't know. (laughs) I don't know what happened, but the whole, like, his name was the partner. His name was Peter Kong. He's since passed, but he was a big mentor in my career. And um, his whole point was, please don't ask for the entire (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, that's how I always remember intangible assets. Yeah. Well, you think accountants think very black and white. So it's like, 
you know, I get it why they would ask for that. If yeah. They have that mindset. So anyways, and then amortization is usually usually calculated on the straight line basis, which is what I mentioned for depreciation, where you take the total and you divide it over the life. So that is the difference between depreciation and amortization. I feel like even like when I was auditing companies, I did not see amortization very often. Um, you always see depreciation, almost always, but mm-hmm. amortization is a little bit different. So anyway, so that is the formula. How do you account for intangible assets? I mean, something such as a, you might have an idea on like intellectual property, but what about something like brand recognition? Like, how do you put a number on that? It's hard. It's really hard. And that's also some of it. It just depends on which intangible asset it is. And you usually, well, sometimes like if it's brand recognition, you would value that when you purchase that brand or it's hard to put a value on things that are created internally. It's really hard. I bet. I think that's why we don't see it as often because it's more of a management estimate and it can be difficult depending yeah. on... If it's an intangible a- asset is something that would be important when a company is looking to acquire a company, right? Like how strong their brand is and what kind of maybe IP they have or... Right. Especially Licenses. Yeah. Depending on what you're purchasing that company at. Like if mm-hmm. you're purchasing it over book value or... Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. Something that I thought was interesting is that EBITDA was invented in 1979. Was that what I read? I think so. I don't know. I guess I just thought it had been around forever. <laughs> It didn't get invented until there was a need for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The 19th, it was invented in the 1970s by a guy named... John Malone. Malone. I just Googled it. Yeah. He was a billionaire investor. So I guess, okay, layman's terms, non-accounting people to understand EBITDA, which by the way, I noticed that there's EBITDA, which is without the D, without depreciation in it. And then also with EBITDA, EBITDA with... <laughs> The D. <laughs> Why would somebody not include the D? I don't know. I don't know if that just means they don't have depreciation or if they're purposely excluded. I don't know the answer to that. I guess the, the way that helped me understand when you talk to me about EBITDA is that it is everything before, basically before you see what the company is paying to be in business with taxes and interest and everything that you're paying to stay like the things that you have to pay for, is it a profitable business without those things? But sometimes those things like interest, depreciation, you have to have those things to taxes make you not profitable. Right. And that's why there's a lot of debate, I think, in the industry, the financial industry of whether it's a good measure or not. And so I think when you are seeing it or people are talking about it, it's really important to know your audience like everything in life, like why are why are they saying EBITDA? How is this important? The place I've seen it the most is, well, two places just to see the profitability of a company if it is being profitable after, if it's a heavy fixed asset type of company, like a manufacturing company, sometimes you want to strip that out just to see like, okay, they have all these assets in use, but are they even making money on these assets? 
And there's lots of different ratios that you can use for that, but it is a, it's a good measure of that. And then the other place I see it a lot is for evaluation. So you'll hear like, and we talked about this too on our other podcast, you know, it's EBITDA times some sort of multiplier to value a company. So it's EBITDA times seven or six or whatever you get your rocks off on, but that's usually where it's seen. Do you think people might look at it as an opportunity who are financially savvy, have a lot of knowledge in taxes and like interest rates? Say one company's A is looking at company B and the only thing that makes them negative EBITDA is their interest and, you know, on debt and taxes. Okay. Can a company come in and be like, okay, if we acquire this company, we can pay off the debt and we can use this better tax knowledge and now make it profitable? Like, are there opportunists that would look at that and say, like right now they're negative, but we know how to make them positive by dealing with a couple of these things that are showing on the EBITDA? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think potentially it just depends on if that's some, I mean, you can't have negative EBITDA times a multiplier because you would have a <laughs> negative number. So, so can EBITDA be negative? I mean, I guess so. Yeah, it can be negative. That's not good. <laughs> maybe not even just negative, maybe just, okay, maybe, well, no, because you're looking at it before all those things come into effect. If you already are negative, then you're even more screwed after if you're counting those things back in. You're adding those back in. You must be really negative if you're still. Yeah, mm-hmm. sadly. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, it just depends on what kind of strategies you want to employ. Like, if you think that it's a good opportunity for other reasons, maybe there's something you, specific from this company that you want. Like maybe you're buying them just for some sort of proprietary information that they have, but they can't turn a profit and you're just going to dissolve them and take that information. I mean, mm-hmm. that sounds sad, but yeah, there's definitely different reasons that you could have to buy somebody with negative EBITDA or bad EBITDA, low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Not every company uses EBITDA. You said asset-heavy companies are more likely to use EBITDA. Mm-hmm. Is it just at the decision of the executives in the company? Mm-hmm. Or are there people that are required to use it? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't think it's um, very supported by GAAP. We can get into the pros and cons, but some people say that it distorts, not earnings, but it distorts the valuation of a company and it's not a good indicator. For example, Warren Buffett, he has been a huge proponent of not using EBITDA to value a company. Damn, I feel like Warren Buffett would know what's up. You know, there's some <laughs> there's some funny quotes that he has said about it where he's just like, this is stupid, essentially. You know what's funny? As I typed in Warren Buffett into Google and it said Warren Buffett on EBITDA. <laughs> that was the first really? thing. Yeah. Google listening? Yeah, it says they regard EBITDA as utter nonsense and urge investors to ignore it. Yeah, that's the quote I read too. It's widely reported by companies to show their financial health and ability to generate cash. And that that was just in April of this year that he said that. Wow. EBITDA is utter nonsense. Warren Buffett. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my quote board. Vision board. <laughs> One of one of the other cons, I think, to EBITDA is that like machinery and equipment lose value over time. 
So if you're excluding depreciation, you're going to have to use your cash flow to buy new machinery or buy new items. So it's not a great measure of what's going on in the operations of that company. Like what if you're buying a company and all the machinery is old? Like, it, I mean, there's just so many factors. And I guess it's important to understand that this is just one piece of the puzzle. You wouldn't just look at this. You would look at lots of other things, but I think it's just an easy measure to get you started. And then there's a lot more digging that has to happen after that. I just had an interesting thought about most accountants I meet are very gap oriented. And I hear them refer to it a lot. Um, Our old CFO referred to gap all the time. So if it's not generally accepted by gap, how are there so many companies using it? Like if the CFOs don't, I mean, you can do whatever you want. It's not like Gap can tell you which ratios you can and can't use. Mm -hmm. It's just not part of the financial statements. It just can't be part of the financial statements. I see. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. They can't be like, don't calculate this ratio. Sounds like they're like a scary body, but... (laughs) (laughs) So what's a good EBITDA? That's really hard to answer because it depends on your industry. So what I would suggest is finding a public company in your industry, more than one, and either seeing what they're calculating their EBITDA or you calculate it yourself. And then that can help give a benchmark of where you think you should be. So you know, the more companies that you can find that are similar to your company that have that or that have public information, that's where you're going to be able to benchmark what's a good EBITDA or what's not. Interesting. Have you ever looked looked it up for our industry, for the lumber industry? I haven't. I have not. Okay. I just like Googled it. I'm a little Google expert since we're not Joe Rogan. Um, but I Googled it by industry. I'm going to see if I can find it for lumber. Construction materials. It's um, 9.66, which I think that might be as good as it gets, but I'll go down and see if there's lumber. No, there's not. So sitting around 10, close to 10, I guess, is a good EBITDA. Yeah. And like we said, it's just it's just part of the picture. It's just mm-hmm. one tool that helps you analyze a business and their operations. And if somebody's throwing it around, I'm all, I always think or ask, what, why, what's, why is that important to you? Because it's important to people for different reasons. Right. So do you want to tell us some pros and cons of EBITDA, even though we've touched on some of them already? Yeah, we talked on... Well, we talked on the con. definitely talked about the cons. I think the pros for using it are that it's just more information. I mean, it's not a bad thing to have more information, especially when you can get industry benchmarks. So why not calculate it? It's super easy and... It's just a piece. So just add that to your little financial toolkit of what you're going to use to value a company or value business decisions. Yeah. And the cons are Warren Buffett hates it. So (laughs) why use it? Yeah. He knows a few things. He knows a few things. I was watching that um, they were going over the, it was like the quarterly earnings report on MSNBC with Warren Buffett and the other guy. Uh, he works with, I don't know. His name. I think his name's Charlie, right? <laughs> yeah. Munger. Munger. They just, I love 
little old men, but they are just like, they look like they were, <laughs> they're so old. I don't know how to pr- like prance around the subject. I was like, they look, they were just sitting there on TV and I, I go, I cannot believe these guys are still doing this. They enjoy it so much. I really hope selfishly that when Warren passes, they take his house and they turn it into some sort of like historical building where they. Oh my gosh. Yes, please. Wouldn't that be cool? And then you could like go to Omaha and like pop in there and see how he lived his entire life, no matter like his wealth or, you know. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. They should do like, they should build like um, a McDonald's on one side and a very <laughs> like dispensary sort of situation on the other side. You could have like the Warren experience. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. I'd go. We could go. We'd go together. Be fun. Let's send a letter to Berkshire Hathaway real quick. <laughs> is that everything we ever didn't want to know about EBITDA? Yeah. I think that is everything you never wanted to know, but at least you know enough to have a conversation about it. Yeah, or maybe it provokes some questions that you want to ask your local accountant. Right, or ask people in your company. Do or ask lumberslingers at gmail.com. Yeah. Also, um, please get me that EBITDA hat and everything. I will, I will. Yes. There's a cute hat on Instagram that says EBITDA. Natalie's all about it. We'll get, we'll get it for you. Maybe we'll post it on lumberslingers just so you guys can see how cute it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Amazing. Well, I hope you have a fun time at the rodeo. Oh, I didn't, even, I didn't even ask you what you're doing. I'm so rude. I mean, that's because that's okay. Cause I'm not doing anything. We have the dog trainer coming tomorrow. We're taking it really easy. So I've been traveling a lot for the last month and a half. So I'm just excited to be home. Home with my puppy and my husband. That's so nice. And some nice weather. Some nice weather. Yes. I think we might go golfing on Sunday. So that'll be fun. Yeah. All right, Charles. Okay. Amazing. Have a great time. Thank you. See you next week. Bye.